it's the confidence you get from the style that you chose and how you signal to others on what it means to you. And the best fashion brands understand that and they curate a design and experience around that. I'm Michael Gloucester and this is Fashion Cast. We're talking to fashion leaders and disruptors as we seek inspirational stories and expert insight into the world's most dynamic industry. Heard in over 70 countries, we're building an international fashion community based on fashion topics that matter. Please visit our website, fashioncast.co, to join our email list and learn more. Now, enjoy the show. On this episode of FashionCast, you'll meet Samir Balwani, founder and CEO of Query, a media agency for direct-to-consumer and e-commerce brands. Query's objective is to scale brands faster using full-funnel advertising and ad experimentation. Before launching Query, Samir held marketing positions at Morpheus Media, PMK, BMC, Stylecaster, Digital Innovation, Open Brand Strategy, American Express, and was a freelance marketing consultant. Samir is a graduate of Rutgers University and is joining FashionCast from New Jersey via Zoom. Welcome to FashionCast, Samir. Nice to meet you. So please explain your background and how you ended up launching Query. Yeah, so I've been in uh, advertising and marketing for almost 20 years at this point now. I've uh, worked for brands uh, like Stockcaster. I was at American Express. Um, running marketing and, and advertising there. And I realized that there's a really great opportunity for uh, media agencies that have really sophisticated processes in helping e-com businesses grow uh, and scale their businesses. So, um, you know, at the time Curry was started, there was a real differentiation between brand agencies, um, brand media agencies and performance marketing agencies. I really wanted to find a way to merge those together. So that way it's not uh, the area that we are trying to win, but really trying to help the business as a whole uh, and merging that together has helped us get there. So, yeah, you've been around. I mean, it's hard to believe 20 years you've been working. You look like you're like 12 years I old. Know. The guy's 12 years old. That's been work. I've been working I 20 well, years. That's, yeah, yeah, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, send that diet, whatever you're taking over. Yeah. I mean, we work with a lot of skincare brands. And that yeah. That's good to know. That's yeah. good to know. Yeah, okay. we have a secret at the end for you. We yeah. Have a <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you look at the spectrum of where you've worked and what you've done and the changes that have really taken place, say, in the last 10 years for sure, you know, what kind of wisdom can you impart on these kind of smaller, companies, entrepreneurial, especially in the fashion world where it's so dominant on vision in terms of branding and then just the, the digital marketplace and how to approach that given your background, given where you're at. And it seems like you've decided to land in that lane and in that space for a reason. And it makes sense and it, it fits what's going on in fashion. But is there any of this kind of just off-the-cuff type of expertise that you can impart. Yeah, it's interesting because over the years, we've got to watch the evolution of marketing as a whole, specifically for advertising and specifically in the lifestyle world. So uh, I think we went through a few stages over the last 10 years, I'll say, of this real focus on cost. So we went through a, a phase of fast fashion as 
low cost products as quickly as possible, uh, constant change. And uh, we still see a little bit about that, but we definitely went through an era where that was the norm and, and the consumer was looking for that. Uh, I think since then we've transitioned into then uh, an era of accessibility. So that was uh, really the focus around e-com and uh, the growth of, I'm going to shop for this online and get it right away. Uh, and I have this access to this huge catalog, right? Um, and that had its pros and cons. It's hard to shop for apparel online. Uh, it's it's hard to find the perfect fit. It's hard to find a brand that you really resonate with. And that's kind of what led us to now the third era of uh, fashion apparel, where uh, it really is brand uh, connection and brand messaging and brand value that matters. Uh, you hear it in things like sustainability or uh, celebrity focused brands. So you can, if you look at kind of the brands that you find yourself uh, most attracted to, they have some kind of brand value and positioning that resonates with you. Uh, you buy apparel because of what it makes you feel like, or it makes you uh, uh, that sense of style. Right. And I think um, we've entered finally into an era where uh, a lot of brands have a lot of fashion brands have realized that that is the key to differentiating themselves from their competitors. You know, product sourcing and product design has become really easy with globalization and uh, accessibility to factories all around the world. It's become easier to actually source products. It's harder now to figure out which products to source why and what makes you different from your everyone else that's doing the same thing. Uh, and that's where brand value comes. So I, I think on the advertising side, it's how do you message that brand value? How do you actually make sure that people resonate with it? And how do you make sure you're reaching the right customer and uh, making sure the right person that will resonate with that brand value is the one that's seeing the ad? Uh, you know, if you don't care about sustainability, for me to present a sustainable brand to you, is a waste of time and energy on both sides of the spectrum. So uh, I think that that's what I'm really excited about for this era of advertising. So you're talking essentially about building your company ethos and community in a digital way. And that is hard because if I look on Instagram and let's say, for example, I see an advertisement for a gene company and then I see a different advertisement for a gene company and another one the next thing you know they all look the same to me you know <laughs> and and not because it's you know a generic apparel item you know it's denim i get that but how do you break off and break apart from the pack even if you're selling something generic like that and so i yeah yeah so i i kind of hear what you're saying in terms of you know, trying to build this something more than we're just apparel, we're also this. Is that essentially what your message is? Yeah, and that's that's exactly it. It's we're not just apparel. And that's the thing. It's I think that when apparel brands and fashion brands feel like they are just apparel, that's when they miss out on that opportunity to be more than that. It's not just what you wear. It's how you feel when what you wear every day. It's it's the confidence you get from the style that you chose and how you signal to others on what it means to you. And the best fashion brands understand that and they curate a design and experience around that. And so it's not just the denim, it's, you know, who's wearing the denim in the ad? What are they doing while wearing that denim? What's the message behind it? Is it uh, 
you know, we created this denim in a specific way to make it the most um, comfortable denim in the world, or we built this in a specific way to be the best for the environment, right? So really understanding that angle, because it is more than just denim at the end of the day. Let's talk about the importance of digital marketing for fashion brands, especially small brands. Many brands are driven by creative founders with little business education. Can you explain what brands should be focusing on in terms of ad spending as a percentage of revenue and the best possible ways to deploy that capital? Yeah, so we talk about this as um, stages of the business. And uh, we think about brands as having five key stages. Um, let's focus in on the first two or three for this because we, we're talking about smaller brands. So the first stage is, um, we like to call that product market fit. So does your brand actually resonate with a community that wants to purchase from you? Um, have you merchandised it the right way? Have you messaged it the right way? That's the first and foremost thing you want to make sure you solve for. We have key metrics that we look at. We want to know your conversion rate on your website is a certain percentage. Generally, you want it to be between at least above 1%. Anything lower than that means that you've got a lot of work to do there. People just don't feel comfortable buying from your website just yet. And your average order value needs to be uh, higher than an impulse purchase. So don't think $15, $20. You really want $60 plus as purchasers, right? Mm -hmm. Two metrics, 1% conversion rate, $60 AOV, that increases with inflation. So every year we revisit right. that number mm -hmm. uh, and, and have a have a conversation around that. But for the most part, those are, once you know you've reached that point, you know that you've got a product and a brand that people are interested in and able to uh, want to purchase from. Problem is, you're still too small to present yourself as a brand that has brand cachet. So you have to go to third-party um, PR companies, influencers, et cetera, to come out there and say, hey, oh, this is a really interesting brand. I really am excited about it. So we tell people early on, early stage brands, invest in influencer creative, press, sponsored content, anything like that, to just show uh, that you are more than just you saying that you're interesting and, and telling the message, but really activating the, your community to tell the message for you. Uh, when you asked about what percentage of revenue and things like that, that's a sliding scale. We generally will tell people 10 to 20% of your top line e-commerce revenue should be invested in advertising. And that's uh, either in influencer engagements and distribution or standard paid media campaigns like paid search and display and Google and things like that. Uh, early on, find a, C a CMO. Fractional CMO is mm -hmm. probably the most valuable investment you can make because uh, you want to be able to shift budget quickly around things and having a specialist early on locks you in into something without being able to be nimble. So early fractional CMOs, really valuable because they may say, hey, look, we found this influencer, they're really valuable for us and we've reached our capacity with them, we need to transition that money somewhere else. Great. You make that decision versus if you hired an influencer agency, oh, they're going to make sure they're constantly spending your money <laughs> oh, on yeah, influencers that's, that's and they're right. going to keep going. <laughs> that's for yeah. sure. <laughs> so I, I always say like, uh, don't buy, don't uh, hire a specialized agency to start, get a fractional CMO to help you guide you uh, and, and go from there. Good advice. Yeah, that, no, that's great. No, I appreciate all of that. And I think that fits into the audience and what they're thinking about in terms of digital advertising, because we've, we've talked to a number of 
small companies, entrepreneurs, and and they've tried the whole gamut, you know, this whole spectrum of different advertising. And it becomes very apparent and very clear and very quick that the only thing that you need to be spending money on is digital advertising in some way, shape, or form. So everything else seems to be gone or out or just dismissed, especially at the smaller level. Can you, with regard to that, because you're talking about multiple avenues and kind of different stages of the business, what's your definition of this full funnel advertising approach that Query uses? I think one of the biggest mistakes a lot of advertisers make is um, early stage businesses have two masters that they have to solve for that end up being competing. They need to drive revenue scale and profitability. And the reality of the situation is you can really only have one or the other. And uh, you know, it's, it's uh, really difficult to grow revenue quickly while maintaining profit profitability because you got to figure out where you're going to invest. You, you have to invest to grow. And so uh, what we like to tell clients is we do full funnel advertising in that uh, we will take the profits from your um, bottom of funnel ads. So uh, your Google search campaigns, your remarketing campaigns, you know, those ad campaigns that people are always talking about, oh, we drove a 20x return on ad spend or a 30x return on ad spend. We take the profits of that and we reinvest it in brand awareness so that we can continue to grow the audience pool and build top line revenue growth as well. We do that through a really uh, sophisticated framework and the first step of that is working with the uh, brand to figure out what their break-even return on ad spend is. So we'll work with the brand to say, what's your average net profit margin across all your products? What does that look like? What is it, what's, what are we allowed to uh, spend to acquire a purchase? And then um, how, do we, uh, how do we spend that in a way that allows you to grow top of funnel while investing in your bottom of funnel? Uh, and that gives us this flywheel where, yeah, our ads may not be profitable for you, but they accelerate revenue. Or you may say, hey, I need profitability. Great. We can uh, layer in some profitability into our return on ad spend targets, but it uh, reduces the line at which we can scale your revenue. And so uh, we work with our brands to kind of create this lever of, I want to increase revenue growth, great, our profitability drops. I want to decrease, I want to increase profitability, great, our revenue growth drops, but they can have that uh, visual and understanding of what that's going to look like over the next 12 months. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Samir, can you please explain several of the digital ad testing techniques query employees? Yeah. So the ad testing is actually a core piece of our um, process. And so um, I can walk you through just our, our general process of how we work with brands and then layer out the ad testing piece of it. So when we work with brands, we actually work through uh, a payment process that we've created for e-com specific. So uh, the way it works is we start with uh, creating our ad strategy. What is the customer persona? What's the customer we're going after? Uh, what channels are going to be most effective for us? Uh, and then what's our um, messaging hierarchy? So how are we going to actually message to them? That gives us that core initial piece uh, and insights into how are we going to now deploy capital against that. Ne our next step is we create a media forecast. That media forecast is broken out 
by month for each channel and customer stage. So we'd say, hey, we're going to spend X amount of money in uh, brand awareness on Facebook. We're going to spend Y amount of money on uh, conversion on Google search, programmatic display, connected TV, all of the channels that we're managing. But we don't only put how much budget we're spending against it. We also put our forecasted revenue, average order value, return on ad spend, and then go all the way down into the cost metrics and media metrics associated with each of those channels. The document's really important because it allows us to quickly diagnose where issues are with our campaigns, optimizations to be made, and it helps the brand manage their cash flow and optimize the dollars they're spending. Because uh, as we all know, for uh, retail and fashion brands, cash flow is king, and buying inventory before the product is sold can kill. So uh, being a, knowing that we are a large uh, cost or the media spend that we have is a large cost. We want to make sure our brands have a really clear insight on we're going to spend X amount of money and get the Y amount of dollars back at by this period. So now that we have the media forecast, we create our learning agenda, our ad experimentation plan. The ad experimentation plan is a living document based on what KPIs are we missing. So we may come and see after the first 30 days, our brand awareness campaigns on Facebook our cost to advertise is higher than we anticipated. So we had forecasted it out. We know what number it was supposed to be. Great, our first test will be, how do we reduce that CPM cost? Then we're gonna do that by audience testing or creative testing. And we can come back to the brand and say, this is what we plan on doing to affect this one metric. Um, and that will be things like, uh, we're gonna test this audience, a 1% lookalike off of this, or this interest-based audience, which one performs better? Or it may be, you know, Facebook had launched a new uh, ad placement. We want to test into that and see if that helps reduce our costs. What are we going to do here? So um, the tests that we do are really built for each one of the situations that our clients are in, depending on what metric needs to be tested. Uh, for the most part, it falls into a few buckets. It's channel testing. So what, what ad channels, what ad vehicles are the most effective for us? Creative testing, is there a, a perfect, is there people, message, product, what, what should be in our ads? Messaging testing and offer testing, uh, is it free shipping, 15% off, new product, VIP shopping, what's that experience? Uh, and then finally, budget testing, uh, are we allocating budget in the right places at the right times? Uh, and so from those four, we can generally get a, a good understanding of what we need to fix, how we can uh, capitalize on, on opportunities ahead of us. So how long are ad tests conducted? So it depends on the budget that the campaigns have. We really try and go for statistical significance when possible. Sometimes it, it isn't possible. Uh, but in general, you know, we try and run tests for at least two weeks so that we, we can capture enough data and have enough time to actually analyze it and determine. But again, it depends on budget. So uh, budget and, and velocity of conversions. Right, like if you only have two or three sales a week, it's going to take longer to find out what's working versus if you have 50 a day. Uh, and it's really understanding where on that sliding scale the brand is. So this is a really nuanced process. And I think it's imperative for, you know, entrepreneurs to understand that you're already wearing like 14 mm -hmm. hats. <laughs> That's for sure. And now you want to do digital advertising. And this is the problem you're going to flip your new gene manufacturing company D to C onto Instagram and think that it's just going to work. And I think what Samir just did 
quite eloquently is prove that you desperately need some help. I mean, if your head isn't spinning after that explanation <laughs> of what digital <laughs> advertising is, it never will be. So I think it's critical. And there's a company called Startup Fashion out of Philadelphia that Christine and I interviewed the owner there, Nicole. And she has, I don't know, 500 some members on any given day, you know, the membership is changing, but her objective is to essentially teach them some of the business, you know, aspects of fashion. And I can see the, you know, some kind of a collaboration clearly with Query and startup fashion in in some of those companies like that, that, that would be a perfect fit. Hi, I'm Christine. You may know me as co-host of Fashion Cast, but I'm also the founder and CEO of Omea Organics. I believe skincare should be simple. Our hyaluronic cream is all you need to nourish your skin morning and night. Sourced from the highest quality organic ingredients from around the world and manufactured in an FDA facility right here in the USA, this incredible cream works to firm, deeply moisturize, and smooth the appearance of your skin. Please visit omeorganics.com and use promo code FASHIONCAST to receive a 15% discount off your first purchase, and you will receive our monthly newsletter free. Now, back to the show. So, you know, given the the number of different ad buying companies like Query that are out there, do you guys specialize? Do you have a certain niche that you're working with? And how am I going to kind of narrow down the field and say, okay, this one works for me? Or, or can you determine, because everyone's, kind of yelling, right? Come see me, <laughs> come use mine, whatever. Are there consultant fees? Are there different plans? Are there you know, different levels that certain digital media buying companies will only work with? How does that work? And how do you kind of, you know, vet through that process? Yeah, it's interesting. So I can tell you if I were starting a fashion brand today, this is my framework of how I would look at digital marketing as a whole. So early on, um, when it's just you and you're just starting out, you're doing word of mouth sales and you are the salesperson. I think that that is how most small businesses start Mm -hmm. and they should continue to start that way because there's nothing more valuable than being able to talk to your customer face-to-face, right? Um, and, And get that feedback. I think once you hit a certain size, that's when a fractional CMO comes on. That's when you're able to afford somebody to actually help you and outsource that. The beauty of fractional CMOs is uh, they allow you to, they give you insights and access to their network. Uh, Insights in terms of what they're seeing work across other brands and access to their network of their preferred vendors that they like to work with. They've already got a system in place. You don't have to do that. At a certain stage, uh, you will ultimately start hiring agencies. Uh, And I think that that's when... um, it starts to become difficult. There's a lot of media buying agencies, exactly like you said. uh, And uh, it's really hard to figure out the ones that you want to work with. I think early on, uh, so as you graduate from fractional CMO, I think it's okay to graduate into what we like to call full service agencies. Full service agencies are uh, those agency partners that you work with that do uh, digital marketing and web design and influencer marketing and SEO and social media management and They do everything. The problem with it is that they do everything okay. 
and that's fine for a certain stage, right? It's okay for you to have uh, a generalist agency managing a lot of stuff. It's less overhead for you because you have one agency that you have to manage. It's only one meeting that you're having. You've got one person to go to depending on whatever needs you have. At a certain stage, and generally we say, uh, usually around the um, three to five million in online revenue stage, you really want to start looking at specialists at that point. Now you're you're large enough where you might have a little bit of a staff. Uh, you're gonna marketing is becoming a more of a vehicle for growth. Uh, you've pr you've proven out that you understand your product. You've proven out that you understand your community. You're really scaling. Uh, and that's when a media agency like ours becomes really valuable because we are a surgeon's tool and can get you to where you need to and really be thoughtful around your budgets as they start to grow and, and give you that pathway to success. So again, recap, start with a fractional CMO, stop doing it yourself. I can't wait to get to that point. Maybe it's time for me. Just do it as quick as possible. And it's one of those situations where um, the longer you take to do it, the further away it will get. Because it is one of those things where investing into it early will get you there faster. Um, because they just know, like they'll help you pull those levers. Obviously finding the right fractional CMO, somebody that will push back on you and uh, fight with our, as I like to call it, uh, owner ADD uh, or shiny object syndrome, uh, which happens in marketing all the time. Someone that's sophisticated and organized and helpful, that's step one. Go into a full service agency and then find a specialist agency. See, and I thought you were going to say the best way to find this digital marketing buying agency was to start in New Jersey. <laughs> I know. I was thinking that too. Was that? I mean, I That's mean, where we're at. Yeah, yeah. Start in New Jersey, and then you can go down the line. Yeah. You know, you know, it's really interesting though, from our perspective, and it's it's um, as an agency. So you know, query the way we work with our clients is our our goal is to work with our clients for years and help them grow. Our agency grows if our clients grow. So for us we are almost as particular about the clients we bring on as our clients are as particular in finding the right media agency. So when we say we're partnering with a brand, we truly mean it. We are partnering with a brand. There are times where we will uh, have, you know, our, our goal will say, all right, for six months, we're going to break even. And it's our investment into the brand because we know that we can scale them up and grow them out um, and then grow together. So uh, it's really important uh, for the the owners of a fashion brand to really look at a brand as an agency and say do you understand what i'm trying to do do you understand the industry i'm in because fashion apparel is very unique high skews uh <laughs> not always high margins and a really difficult product to sell uh with high return rates sometimes so do you do you understand my industry and the third one is do you have success in my industry in the past uh those are those are the key things that i would say uh, you want to look for, for sure, and questions you want to ask uh, before you hire anybody. For fashion brands, what e-commerce platforms do you believe are the best? So e-com platforms, uh, Shopify is kind of the standard for building an e-com ad, mm -hmm. uh, e shop. Uh, Shopify, Shopify Plus, especially now, like if you're starting, just start there. Uh, it'll make your life a lot easier. 
Uh, we do end up uh, with a lot of brands on Magento and WooCommerce, uh, BigCommerce as well. Um, but I would definitely say if you can, please go to Shopify Plus. That was yeah. easy. Good, yeah. better, and best. Shopify. Shopify. <laughs> you know, and, and I can tell you why too. So Shopify is really good because it integrates in with all of the ad platforms, all the ad technology, all the technology, everything that you can possibly want. Their ecosystem is just so strong at this point that um, it, it's hard to get that level of ease with any other platform right now. What are the current go-to e-commerce platforms, if any, and what do you see coming? Yeah, so from an advertising side, um, the thing that we're most excited about uh, I mean, the areas that we spend the most money on, I'd say, are, are the kind of the standard two. So Google Ads uh, is great. It's going to continue to be great uh, between owning the first and second most popular search engines between Google and YouTube. Uh, there's just a lot of eyeballs there. Uh, the second one is still meta. Um, people have been saying that it isn't as effective as it was in the past. And uh, there's some truth to that. But the reality of the situation is uh, people are also just uh, using it uh, in a way where they were arbitraging uh, really well and they're able to find low cost audiences and convert them to buy uh, their product, which meant that there was an opportunity to arbitrage some, some advertising there. Now that that's kind of gone away, people have had to use Meta as more of a brand awareness play. Uh, if you think about it, it's interruptive. Uh, it can reach people that aren't actively looking for your product or even thinking about your product. So it's great for building brand demand and, and category demand as well. Uh, so those are the two that are kind of standard. Uh, the areas that we're really excited about is connected TV. So all those TV ads on, on streaming services, uh, things like that uh, are really valuable uh, now and, and great for driving brand uh, awareness. Uh, I'm really excited about Microsoft and their announcement with ChatGPT. I'm really curious to see how that kind of plays out, um, the interaction of uh, Microsoft and artificial intelligence and uh, what that means for the search engine there and then what that means for us as advertisers on those search engines. Uh, so a lot of that has been um, an eye-opening experience over the last few days, and, and I'm, I'm excited to see it kind of grow and, and what happens next there. You know, on the media side, we're pretty uh, used to uh, artificial intelligence. A lot of the ad, ad platforms that we spend on use AI to actually target you and optimize campaign creative. So uh, we've been playing with that for a while. Uh, it's exciting to see it enter into the consumer space, though, and, and be more of something that consumers are engaging with and, and playing with. Yeah, I think you have to be on the forefront of AI at this point. If you're not, you're going to get left behind very quickly. And I think it also works directly with video, or it will in some way, shape, or form. And for fashion, video is everything. This vision, the movement. If you can reduce the cost for the video and the actual building of the video and distribution of the video, that's a huge advantage for whatever brand. Are you noticing that the metrics for video and returns from video performance ads are better than the regular ads, or or am I dreaming? So uh, you're not dreaming. <laughs> you're, just, not dreaming. <laughs> you're not dreaming. Uh, I think the hard part about video is that it, it plays a different role 
than your standard, you know, ad, right? Uh, your standard uh, image ad, your standard text ad, they're really good at driving action. Uh, video and photography is really good at brand storytelling. And so I think that it's really important to understand, going back to kind of what we spoke about at the beginning of um, your brand POV, your brand ethos is, is what differentiates your brand. Well, then video is a great communicator of that. And so uh, ultimately investing in brand uh, video, brand stories, brand content, that is how you communicate what your brand stands for. Uh, helps people engage with you and understand and differentiate. So going back to that denim uh, ad that we talked about again at the beginning, it's the story that comes around the denim versus the denim itself. And video does a really good job of telling that whole story. So Samir, let's say I want to launch my new business from the U.S. into Dubai, Monaco, or South Korea. Is Query structured to assist in international markets? So sadly, we are not. Uh, we can help international markets come back into the U.S. So let's say you have a Korean brand and you want to bring it into the U.S. We're structured to do that. The reason why is because taking a U.S. brand into international markets is actually really difficult. Um, and most people underestimate just how difficult that is. Uh, consumer behavior and shopping behavior is so different in each region. Um, that unless you have someone that specializes in that region, uh, it's really difficult to do well. I'll give you a perfect example. In Europe, in a lot of European countries, sale dates and sale amounts are regulated legally. So you can't just go on sale when you want, can't go on sale for however low you want to drive revenue targets. In the US, we don't have regulation around that. So if, you're, if your brand is gonna miss revenue targets and you need to hit a specific revenue amount, you can do a flash sale. That's not something you can do in a lot of international markets. It also doesn't motivate people in the same way in some international markets. So really understanding that nuance is important. And what I tell people is, you know, we partner with international agencies uh, that are local there because they understand how their consumers shop. They understand what they do. They understand what motivates them. And I think that that's most valuable uh, when you're working with a media agency. Isn't that where AI is going to come in, though? You know, so today you don't know what these different markets are, but the AI technology in 10 years may know this like the back of its hand and say, yeah, you can have this, you know, full scale marketing across the world and it will be adjusted for every market. I mean, that's how I see it. Or am I wrong? Or am I dreaming again? <laughs> oh, no. I, I don't think you're wrong. I just think we're actually far, we're pretty far off from that mm -hmm. just because of how much nuance goes into it. Um, so the best way I think about AI is um, if you were uh, a baker uh, and you had to bake a cake, you would use the same oven any other baker would use. And the oven is the AI. The difference between... Uh, a media strategist and an amateur is the difference between a, a you know a world-renowned baker and an amateur baker. It's the ingredients and the process of what goes into the oven, so that you get the output that is unique. I don't. So that's where I think uh, the strategist comes in, and why I say you know having a local person to those regions is important is because they're the ones putting the inputs into the AI here's our sale date, here's our budget, here's the creative messaging, here's our here's how we're doing this, because that to get your output of sales. Uh, and so for the time being, 
Uh, at some point, that will may change. But for the time being, uh, people are still managing those inputs. And that's going to still be important to have a senior strategist doing that kind of work. So can you cite an example where your media buying strategy was tested, it was planned, it was executed, but in the end it failed and vice versa, where you did all this stuff and it was just way beyond what you imagined in terms of success? So the failed one's hard, uh, only because we tend to pivot pretty quickly if something's not working. Um, I can tell you, so we tried a few times where we said, hey, um, so Meta Meta has gone through this phase right now. Um, there was a period where they, they came to our media agency and was, said, trust our platform, do really broad audience targeting, and our system will figure out the best customer for you. And we're, uh, you know, our feedback was, there's no way that's true. Like, there's no way that you're going to do better than we can do. And so we tested and we planned and we executed. And so we A-B tested. And we're going to do a broad audience and then we'll do our what our process was at the time of, you know, here are our audience targets. Uh, and lo and behold, they were right. And then your system actually <laughs> did a lot better than ours. And, and you know, we and that's like the beauty of it. And then we learned and we're able to propagate that out against all of our accounts. But uh, so that, that's an example of us being surprised by um, something that, that we didn't think would work. You can count that as a failure. Um, from a success standpoint, what was the thing that, you know, led us to say that we were uh, successful? It's, it's, we're pretty consistent in terms of being able to put together media forecasts. And so what I like to say is, uh, for me, success, it's interesting because, um, I'm sure there's some brand owners, right? They're going to be like, no, that's not success. But for me, uh, success is when we hit our targets. I tell my team, if we miss our targets too low, that's a problem. And if we miss our targets too high, that's a problem too. If we don't hit the revenue target that we um, projected out, that can impact a business regardless of which way we go. And while, you know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, we got to beat our revenue targets. You know, we said we were going to do, you know, $5 million this year and we did $6 million this year. And everyone else is really celebrating that. My thing is that extra million dollars in sales could have broke their operations that could have killed their third-party logistics or cost them extra in, in sales. So for me, when we put together a strategy and we create a media forecast against it, success is hitting that media forecast. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a perfect explanation. Yeah, it's something to really keep in mind in terms of you know what you're trying to do and where to spend your capital too and not to get always excited about the numbers and trying to constantly beat um so one of the things I wanted to know about is from query standpoint, you know, you're going to have a company you want to work with, like you mentioned before, that you want to partner with, um, and it's going to be long-term. But in the meantime, if someone, you know, contacts query and says, you know, this is a startup, we have X amount to spend, can we just get some consulting services from you? Can we buy your time say for five hours or what have you, and then we'll go back and try to put our stuff together? Or are you saying, look, you know, just come to us when you're ready, when you're at point X or point Z, and then we'll have a conversation? Yeah, so I can tell you a, um, a client for, so the minimum client for us that we engage with is uh, 5 million in online revenue with the capacity to spend a million dollars in advertising a year. So really really sophisticated brands, right? But that's for our retainer business. 
for we do project work where we create frameworks for brands and we help them get to that right um my passion is helping businesses grow and sometimes the best ones are the the ones that are just starting out the ones that can take advice and be pivotal and grow pretty quickly and rapidly so um we do love working with smaller brands and helping them with their frameworks and helping them uh, and it kind of goes back to that you know we invest in brands where we think that there's a real opportunity to kind of help them get to the next level so that they can potentially become clients of ours. Um, and whether that means, you know, us doing the work or us connecting you with the right person to do the work, you know, that that's our, our goal is to play in that ecosystem and help build that generation of brands for the future. Yeah, that's a perfect answer. I love mm -hmm. that because you know where your bread and butter is in terms of these larger ad spends, but then you're open and still working with upcoming brands. That's perfect. I love that. Yeah. Samir Balwani, thank you so much. It's been an honor and a pleasure to have you appear on Fashion Cast. Thank you. Thank you. This has been so much fun. Thank you for listening to Fashion Cast. To hear more shows and join our email list, please visit our website, fashioncast.co. You can also join us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Until next time, I'm Michael Gloucester for FashionCast, the voice of fashion. Fashion.